You're listening to the Apple Insider Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Apple Insider Podcast. I'm Victor, and joining me is my friend, your friend, friend to all mankind, the good William Apple. Okay, we're really making the Apple thing last, aren't we? We're stretching uh, and that out. in good. Yeah, <laughs> right. I was having a well, I wasn't having a lovely time. I was having a hard time. And I'm glad to be. Well, I thought I was glad to be here talking with you. Hello, how are you? I'm fantastic. You know what? I have reader email this week. Ah, I have. Re- oh, hang on. Sorry, I have reader email as well, and I just closed email. So uh. that didn't- that was me so smacking my forehead. while we were talking. <laughs> <clears throat> yes, right. Why, do, why does anybody listen to me about this stuff? Don't answer that. Um, so what's your reader email then? My reader email is about Spotify. Oh, yes. Yeah. Heard of that. So I'm going to quote from this email. This is uh, one of our listeners who has has helped us out with the show and, and sent us comments before. And we like that kind of feedback and interaction. Please, please keep it going. And he writes, Hi, Victor. I'm a listener of the Apple Insider podcast, and we've previously conversed on Twitter. I wanted to know if you plan on speaking about the complaint that Spotify filed with EU regulators and what your thoughts are on the matter. On one side of the aisle, you have people that think if Spotify wants to access a customer base on a platform that they did not help to create or cover the maintenance costs for, that they should accept the 30% fee. On the other side, there are people that think that Apple's operating in bad faith and partaking in anti-competitive practices by limiting the services offered to Spotify customers, like Siri, HomePod, and Apple Watch. Should Spotify circumvent the 30% fee? And this this reader says, I personally fall into the former of the two camps. The only way Spotify should be able to dodge the 30% fee and still have access to said services is if they contribute to the cost of maintaining Apple's platform or services, which would land us right back where we started. Interested to hear your thoughts. Kind regards. So... Thank you for writing. William, what do you think? Apple gives Spotify access to a mass audience. It costs Apple money to do this. It seems completely fair that Apple takes a fee. Whether or not that should be 30%, or not, I don't know. But you know, they host a lot of free things. I'm fine with 30%. I pay the 30% with my somewhat smaller scale apps. Uh, the thing I have... I'm on Spotify's side in the same way that I am actually with all content providers in that Apple will not release uh, customer data, will not give away for the creator to speak to uh, their audience for it. I mean, that's improved over bits. It used to be a, a terrible problem because you would have people complaining about apps and they were complaining in a way that if the developer could just talk to them, they could sort it out in moments. And that was denied. So I thought that was terrible. Yeah. Any publishing business survives on having that database apple is denying them they're denying it because apple is using that database so i get the point there but uh, dodging the 30 percent three well amazon dodges it and just has you buy through its own website that's what spotify is doing at the moment that's the way it is um, let's let's I'm let's back up that. a step let's back up a step so sure apple has always since the inception of the app store taken the 30 percent fee This is just, that's the way it is. And the deal that you're making as a developer is that your apps will be published in a store that is available to install, that is available in whatever region of the world you wish, and that Apple will make the tax reporting 
somewhat easier for you. You don't have mm-hmm. to worry about figuring out how to deal with taxes in Japan, how to deal with taxes in Australia, how to deal with all these worldwide regions. That as a developer, you let Apple handle that. You let Apple handle the payment processing, and then they pay you from that. And that you do your own marketing. Your marketing is your own job, but they handle the listing the and and they give you tools to make your listing nice you know you can load up screenshots and movies and all that and in exchange because they are taking the payment they have the customer information not you but that that as a payment processor and listing in the store and distribution and taxing taxation agreements and all of that they they take care of a decent amount for you do you agree with that statement so far uh, from personal experience, absolutely, particularly the tax thing. I probably wouldn't distribute an app if I had to work all that out myself. Right. Now, if you're an Amazon of the world or a Hulu or or a Netflix, you are a large organization and you could probably handle dealing with the taxing issues, right? The taxation mm. issues. You could probably handle with finding your own payment processor and you might be able to negotiate a better deal for payment process. Right, you can mm-hmm. you can negotiate yeah. better fees, but the deal that Apple has and the deal that Google has, for that matter, is that by virtue of deciding to be in their store and distribute through them, you use them as the payment processor. That's the deal. You don't get to negotiate your own payment processor. You don't get to negotiate and say, you know what, don't do our taxes. We'll do our taxes. <laughs> yes. I could throw in one more thing here. Uh, um, this comes up every now and again about um, the 30% usually, not particularly the music business. And there is a difference with Spotify. But I was talking with uh, a very big software vendor who was, he wasn't exactly laughing at the idea that people were complaining that Apple takes 30%. But he was saying for him and his company, this was so much better than it used to be, that when you actually sold software in boxes, uh, what was the point? Everybody who touched that box, so the, the maker of the box, the packer, mm-hmm. the, all this, you were lucky, he said, to end up with 30% of it yourself. Uh, so the fact that you get 70% like this, uh, just, yes, please, thank you very much, is what he said. Yeah, and, and that's true with any kind of physical product, is that, so you have to pay to get it produced, and you have to get it shipped, right? So so when we classically, when we're getting quote, stuff quoted, would say, what's the freight on board cost or FOB cost, which says, what's the cost to get it all the way produced and freight on board? All right. Or another way of talking about it was the landed cost, which is what's the cost to get it all the way produced and on board and then landed in a warehouse close to me? Cool. I've never heard these terms. I like these. Yes. Okay. But okay. it all makes sense. Yeah. And, and so you have to pay the factory you have to pay the shipping, you have to pay customs, you have to pay those bits. And then once it's landed in a warehouse, you have to pay that warehouse for holding it. And then you have to pay the shipping to the store's distribution center. And then you have to pay the margin to the store. Now, that's not even talking about the margin for the rep firm that helped you market it to get it sold into the store or or your salesperson's commission to help get it sold into the store or any of the other fees that come along the way, which is what your man was talking about. Yes, it makes you wonder why anybody used to bother, doesn't it? <laughs> well, okay. I mean, it's it's a tough thing, right? You, you, what you're hoping for is that there's enough margin left in the product that you make a profit and that you then can go ahead and do it again. Now, yeah. the way that we used to do it is, is there are all kinds of fancy cost calculators where you feed in all of those margins along the way, and it shows you how much you're going to be able to make and how much they're going to be able to make, and you adjust them to, to suit because different retailers have different demands for what margin they must make. We'll sure. buy your product yeah. in, they'll say. We'll buy it in, but you got to give us this margin. 
Yes. And you're like, well, I don't know if I can do that. Let me go open the cost calculator and feed that number and then go and see where else I'm taking from. You know, who, who's going to lose so that they can make that? Yes. Sorry, I mean, I shouldn't laugh. We, uh, obviously, people are still going through this with so many products that we buy and so many items. But the fact that it is now so much easier with Apple. I'm not completely against Spotify. I think they have a, a point. But in the general domain, I'm, I'm, I'm up for the 30%. And well, no let's, let's talk that. about what their complaint actually is, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So... Previously Actions on Spotify. Previously on Spotify. So yeah. uh, Macquarie Research, research firm, was is commenting on this this filing. And this is, with growing calls for more robust regulation, we continue to view apps for pricing as an area that could see more pressure, they said in their memo. They, they indicate that Apple and Google are said to be facing legal, regulatory, and competitive challenges to the 30% commission that they claim from, from all the app transactions. Now – that's Macquarie's research firm saying Macquarie Research saying that that they think that Google and Apple should be under pressure for this. Fine. Sweden-based Spotify launched the complaint with the European Commission, arguing that Apple takes more money than they should be entitled to, that they aren't providing information on customers to vendors, and that they're unfairly limiting third-party access to technologies such as Siri, the HomePod, and Apple Watch. Mm-hmm. Now, that's interesting in that there's no you know, HomePod is an early days product, right? Yes. And HomePod understands how to do some things, but it doesn't understand how to do everything yet. And Siri on HomePod is different necessarily from Siri on the phone, for example. Now, can you use Siri on the phone to control Spotify? Can you say, Siri, play this on Spotify? I just don't know. But you've just reminded me. I wrote one of the stories on Apple Insider about this. And I remember thinking when I read... Spotify's blog that it was weirdly phrased. Um, in fact, I've just called it up here to see the line that was confusing me. Um, there's this business about, uh, you know, something happens if they pay Apple 30%, fine. But then, quote, if we choose not to use Apple's payment system, Apple then applies a series of technical and experience-limiting restrictions on Spotify. Um, okay, but does that mean when you do pay it, Apple doesn't apply those restrictions. And the restrictions listed were, this is, over time, this has included locking Spotify and other competitors out of uh, Siri, HomePod, and Apple Watch. But the way it's written, it sounds like if you pay the money, you, you get access to this. And I don't think that's true. There is a Spotify Apple Watch app. It's not very good. It doesn't do very much. But I didn't know whether that was Spotify's choice or a limitation. So are they limited? Are they not limited? Um, yeah. If you're going to complain, be clearer, really. Well, there, unless the obfuscation is intentional. Well, I did wonder if this was phrased in the sense of the way people might say, um, I apologize if anybody was offended, which means I'm not saying sorry at all. That kind of careful phrasing. But in that case, that leaves me, I, I, I am on Spotify's side potentially on one thing, but on all the rest of this, I'm not. If they're not, if they are not locked out, then I think this is wasting my time. And I just, you know, pay the money, don't pay the money, their choice. If they are locked out uh, by it, then that is interesting. So what do you think? Do we know? So so I don't know that we do. What my experience is that there's, they're indicating that they could avoid using Apple as the payment processor. And in my experience, that's not even possible. So, well, I remember that Amazon uh, lets you browse, but you can't actually buy through right, right. Uh, the Kindle app, for example. Yeah, yeah. So Spotify's filings. Right. They said 
Daniel Ek, who's the founder of Spotify, said, Apple's both the owner of the iOS platform and the App Store, and the competitor services like Spotify. In theory, this is fine, but in Apple's case, they continue to give themselves an unfair advantage every turn. After trying unsuccessfully to resolve the issues directly, we're now requesting the EC, the, the you know, European Commission. European Commission, yeah. Take action to ensure fair competition. And as an example, he describes the 30% cut as the tax. If we pay this tax, yes. it would force us to artificially inflate the price of our premium membership well above the price of Apple Music. So what he's saying is that when we sell it directly, we make all the money. When we sell it through Apple, we have to give up 30%. We don't want to give up 30%, so we're going to have to inflate it through Apple by 30%. And in order to keep our price competitive for customers, that's not something that we can do. Well, yeah, because no one would want to do that. Sure. And, you know, he's upset about the the idea that Apple limits communication to the con consumer. Well, Yes. And in some ways, that's great. Would you want every single terrible little app that's ever been downloaded to be able to email you? No. No, absolutely not. I mean, as a publisher, I get it, and I would want more information. I just – I don't want to let them get away with this word tax because, right, that's a – yeah, that's deliberately incendiary, isn't it? And also, it is not true. I mean, in fact, it isn't a tax. It well, is a payment processing fee. And he does not get – Spotify does not get all of the money when they sell other way because however they sell it – they go through some payment processing system. Right, They right. lose something. Right. So uh, does he call that a tax as well? No, of course not. He's calling it tax here to be inflammatory uh, and to win his side of the point. Yes. I'm. Everything we say puts me off the whole argument more and more. And at the start, I thought they had a reasonable – the reasonable point, I thought that's the thing you just mentioned about the fact that uh, to match the amount of money they get from Apple sales and not Apple sales, they would have to increase their price by 30%. Well, it's more complicated than that, isn't it? But I get that, and I see the point. But, you know, their choice. So so in, in the past, they have offered to allow people to buy subscriptions through through the store. Hulu, you could sign up for through the store. You could pay for these things through the store. And, of course, I, I believe that when that was possible, that Hulu was taking the 30% loss on that, that they were allowing Apple to take that as a part of the cut for doing in-app subscriptions. The trade-off is being able to load up an Apple TV and click immediately pay and pay it right through your, your App Store account and be done. Mm -hmm. Do you want more signups or do you want to make that extra bit of margin? Yes. Uh, isn't this the case of every possible sales arrangement you ever make? This is the price, the market size, the balance you make between them all. I mean, I can see it's a decision that's difficult and that it changes. But in this case, it's remarkably similar. It's always 30% and it always has been. Uh, so they've done the thinking. They just don't like the answer. Yeah. Now, the they, interesting question for me was, so there's, there's beating up on the App Store policies. At the same time, there's also beating up on Siri, HomePod, and Apple Watch. And these are two separate mm. things, and we shouldn't conflate them. I expect thoroughly that, that Spotify is going to try and conflate them, but I think they're separate. And I agree. Yes, you're right. They do have an Apple Watch app. Yes. It's a remote control for music being played on a Spotify Connect device or on the phone. Um, I've I've used it to control a Sonos in the past. Right. It totally it does works. What it, does. it totally yeah. works. What what would they rather it do? Would they rather you be able to browse your entire library of everything Spotify ever does directly from the watch? Do they want it to be a, a client unto itself? Yes, I'm sure they do, because the Apple Music uh, Apple Watch app can do that straight away. And also you can download music to the watch that the Apple Music app can play. I'm sure they would like to do that as well. And if I were a Spotify user, I would want that too, but I'm not, so. Okay. 
with with Siri and HomePod, I think the case is less clear because a- Apple has not opened up the the ability to do more than launch these kinds of other apps. You know, they, you you can't say, "Hey, Siri, play um, you know play uh, Chuck Berry from Pandora," no. for example. So, but but I'm not holding that against Apple as a a uh, anti competitive practice as much as just has not been implemented. And possibly hasn't been implemented yet, because remember with Siri on the iPhone, not that long ago, we got the ability to control third-party apps. You can say the magic words, add something to my shopping list in OmniFocus, for example, and it goes in there instead of the reminders app. It's a little clunky, but it works and it didn't before. So these things but are that's, growing. that's the kind of, yeah. of syntax you'd want, right? Play this. Yeah, my only problem is Siri uh, sometimes doesn't listen to the end of the sentence, and it's a bit inconsistent. So I find myself hurrying up every now and again. But but, yeah, but I want to make a distinction between technical limitations or things that are possible now that have not yet been implemented versus anti-competitive practice, because there's an intention to that, right? Mm-hmm. You're saying Apple ha- just hasn't done it yet. They're not saying no. Well, my my suggestion, if the intents that allow you to do actions for things like OmniFocus, like you said, mm. are present, then the the argument is that it should be possible to extend that to a music playing application and that that needs to be worked out as opposed to not allowed, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not an either or. Maybe Apple is sitting there rubbing its hands going, never will Spotify get onto some point or it could just be yeah yeah it's on the list we don't know but at the moment it looks more like it's yeah yeah it's on the list than anything um untoward right and i I would think that there's a long list of things that could be improved upon for homepod than than this for example right yeah it wouldn't be my first thing it's it's daniel x first but it's not my first no (laughs) so where does that leave us what happens next? Uh, actually, I don't believe, when I wrote the story, Apple hadn't responded to it. I don't believe they have uh, yet. Uh, so is that it? It's just with the EC and we'll see what happens next? or is there... I, I think that's the case. You know, okay. I, I, I think what they're calling for is they want to see a few things. They want to see the, the 30% fee pushed down, which would have an impact on Apple's sales and profitability. And... You know, they're they're presuming that would boost third party developers, but third party developers aren't. You know, they're they're in a mix because some are hurting, obviously, but some are very successful and are able to to get these big checks that Apple cuts. Apple cuts what billion dollar checks, right? Yes. You know, they they I stand up at WWDC that. and hold up the yeah. huge check and say, "Look how much we paid to all of you developers." And and sure, you and I got pennies, but it's um it's a yeah, big so big right marketplace, so. right? Yes. Yeah, at the rate I sell it, uh, changing from thirty percent to fifteen percent wouldn't really make a statistically significant difference. You could not so. afford sugar for your tea with that. Okay, well, fortunately, I, I you don't put sugar in your tea, tea which is partly. <laughs> I'm That's just it. saying. Yes, we were too poor. Yeah, we were raised on the funds for the app store. Couldn't afford sugar. Yes, Apple is terrible. Yeah, <laughs> That's what we're saying. Mm. Meanwhile. We just mentioned WWDC, right? Yeah. The 30th Worldwide Developers Conference is going to take place June 3rd to June 7th this year. It's been is announced. It really the 30th? 30th conference. Can you imagine? That's an awful lot of conferencing. 
Okay. It is. But, you know, it was uh, it was 20 years ago that Steve Jobs came back. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> right? We're, we're here in 2019, and he came back, uh, what, 22 years ago, 23 years ago, 96, 97 time frame? Good grief. Okay. What computer was I using back then? I think I was still on an... I was, I was on a Power PC thing I mentioned to you before. Yeah, yes, it was the same one from last week. Ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I remember those days, but not that long ago. Okay. <laughs> right. Well, thanks. Um, feeling really old and also impoverished with my 30% sugar cut or whatever I'm it is. saying, so, I'm saying, yeah. Mm, yeah, thanks. Okay. Anything I can do to help you with this week? Well, I want to thank our, our listener for sending in that piece of email because we really do appreciate that kind of interaction. Mm. If you've got something that's on your mind, please let us know. And William, well, you said it, you had a piece of email because that's why you closed your email app in the first place. Yeah. Okay. All right. Rub that in. That was it's not the silliest thing I've ever done, but it's the silliest thing in the last half hour. Uh, and even that's saying something. Um, I had an email from, I think it's about Jadev, uh, J-A-G-D-E-V, Jagdev, it looks like, but Jadev, uh, talking about that discussion we were having last week about coding in schools. Um, uh, actually, in the conversation uh, with Jadev, I was saying that I think... Uh, the points he makes, uh, I think it's he, sorry, points he or she makes, and you are the same, that you start from the basis that the school actually was doing coding. So just to explain previously, I mentioned I went to a school, they showed coding, it wasn't coding, and you thought I'd got it wrong because of course it was. No. So, uh, so, so what was interesting about that was that you were describing the moving of colored blocks in a graphical interface when those blocks combined you were told that those were coding and you said clearly it's not. And now I understood separately that, that that sounded a lot to me like MIT scratch language, which consists of colored blocks being combined in yeah. a graphical interface. After the show, after we recorded that and had that argument, I shared what MIT scratch looked like and you went, uh-uh, not at all. Totally <laughs> not what we saw, right? Not even close. Is not even close. Yes. Yeah. So the there there is something valid to using a graphical system with colored blocks to program, but those blocks have to actually represent functions like repeat blocks or or on mouse click so that you have something that says on mouse click, do this action, and then a block that says repeat this action until this other thing happens, right? So that you can have actual code take place. And you weren't seeing that in your school. Now, what was what was uh, Jacques Dev? Yeah. Well, well was, actually... Tell me, I moved to write because of that discussion. I occasionally visit primary schools to orientate the teachers on the concepts they need to get across their pupils. And so this is part of the Barefoot Computing Initiative. Now, I'd not heard of this before, but it goes on that this is about getting the concepts such as algorithms and uh, behaviors such as perseverance understood outside of a, a coding itself and then going into coding. I think this is fantastic. I've been reading the website for Barefoot. All sounds absolutely great and brilliant. Um, I just, I know the school I went to, they're, they're under a lot of pressure. They had tick box mentality. It was, have we got anything we can call coding? That'll do. Tick. We're done. On to the next thing. Uh, I don't knock them for it, but it wasn't anything like as good as this. So actually, um, it was kind of a school of a friend of a friend, so rather than one I was hired to go into. I'm not sure who the right people to talk to are there, but I might slip them the link to this website and see what happens. So thank you very much for sending that in. I appreciate that. Yeah, between that and code.org, you should be covered for things that you can do to get them just at least leveled up a little bit, right? I wonder if I can go in and sell them coding. 
I have developed on the App Store. I sound more qualified. I think you should. Some. Okay. I, I do go to school a lot. I was just in a school right now doing writing, and it is utterly wonderful. I adore going in, causing a ruckus, and getting out again. But the idea of teachers <laughs> who go in tomorrow and then the day after, and I have to do this all the time, admiration for teachers through the roof. I was one. Okay, well then, yeah, swings and roundabouts, really, clearly. Right, right. So then, yeah, your admiration just went down a little bit by that much, I know. Just a tiny bit. <sighs> Man. Well, I'm so glad that, that Jagdev wrote in and told us about that. The Barefoot Computing Ooh. Initiative, huh? Yes. Excellent stuff. I love that there's all this stuff going on. I mean, we originally started the discussion because of what Apple was doing with Swift. So it's Apple's doing Swift playgrounds and things like this. Uh, all barefoot's going on. Yeah. The world is a good, good place, isn't it? Definitely. Well, yeah, work with me on that. Uh, I mean, it, it, the world can be a very good place. There is hope. There is reason to have hope. Never mind that. That I think what this is the weekend that your uh, your government's going to go off on an island somewhere and play Lovecraftian games with your government. <sighs> Do I have that about right? Well, the deadline is March the twenty ninth, and as we speak. It doesn't look uh, the, the New York. I'd actually look to the New York Times for information about Britain because it's slightly less heated. It's more bemused all the time, and I find them quite amusing about it. They believe that the uh, far the most likely thing is that Brexit will be delayed and possibly by quite a while. I would like it delayed forever, but I'll take anything. But yes, the, at this moment, I think is it today? There's another vote as we record this, or that yesterday? I just oh, no, no. Can but I move it, to America point, where it's all sane and sensible? Excuse me. At some point, you were saying. Yes. Well, I was just thinking that uh, you know, at some point, doesn't doesn't Europe just get tired of you guys? Yes. And resolve the issue for you. There was a really good video going around that described uh, Britain as being like that ex-boyfriend you can't get rid of, or something, and it really, really fit. I mean, funny but painfully true as well. Yes. Yeah. In other news, we've talked in the past about different markets that Apple sells into. One of those markets has been India that we've discussed. Yes, now, India is fascinating, isn't it? Yeah. It is. It is. And uh, Apple is considering they're going to stop selling the iPhone 6 and the 6 Plus in India. And mm -hmm. this is part of the strategy to try and reinforce the iPhone as a premium device, right? Because if you're selling a years old device, does it feel premium? Good point. I had a six until very recently, and I liked it, but it didn't feel premium. Yeah, as as do I, and it it worked, and up the update helped it, but it did uh, not feel premium. It it no. felt tired. So they've had a problem where they've got shipments in the market that are failing to live up to expectations. They've they've been selling these lower priced models, and they've they've still had an issue with supply where they've had enough demand they've been importing as opposed to producing locally. They've got some local production, but they've also been bringing phones in. So I think what they're going to do here, what's what's being discussed, is that first of all, the entry-level cost has to go up. The base pricing has to go up. And now I just said a moment ago that they were going to stop sales of the iPhone 6 and 6 Plus. At the same time, this, this analyst that's... Uh, that's writing the article, the actually the industry executives that are speaking to Economic Times where this was reported are saying that the entry-level iPhone 6S and 6S Plus are going to go up in price. So that's right. The 6 goes away. The 6S prices are going to go up by about 5,000 rupees or $72. And 
that by raising the price, that's going to reinforce the brand's premium feel and increase average selling prices. So they're still going to be carrying devices that are quite quite aged, but uh, but they're going to be rolling off the older models and increasing the price. Right. So you'll pay more for a, a still non-premium experience. Is this likely to fly with Indian customers? That's a good question. The the other thing that's going to happen is that Apple is going to pare down the number of outlets that are selling the iPhone. So instead of the the uh, the the wider distribution that they've had, they are reducing the number of stores. Now, what they're doing is they're doing it based on size of the store and amounts of devices sold. Okay. Okay. So distributors that have are, are using neighborhood stores that are less than 350 to 400 square feet in size and selling less than 35 devices per month should not sell iPhone. What, what they're basically saying is if you've got a hole-in-the-wall store and you aren't moving more than 35 devices, you don't sell iPhone. Now, right, if, but, if you uh, have a store that is over 500 square feet in size, that is larger, nicer, more airy, with outlets dedicated to Apple sales, then that's going to work. That 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 that's where Apple wants to deepen its relationship, which is similar to the reasons why the Apple Store exists in the first place. It was an Apple Store rather than a shelf at the back of Best Buy. But uh, the, isn't the summary here is Apple's making the phones more expensive? And it's cutting shops where you can buy it. Isn't this Apple pulling out of India? No. Especially not with Wistron increasing their ability to produce in India and Foxconn looking at producing in India. All right. Good. Okay. See how I rescued that? You did. (laughs) You see, when you know things, you can save the day. Ha! Yeah. You know, speaking of knowing things and and saving the day. Yes. William, I want you to admit it to me. Go ahead and admit it. You can admit it right now. It's safe. You think that cybercrime is something that happens to other people, don't okay, you? Okay, I'll play. Yes, I do. I'm perfectly safe. Okay. <laughs> of course you are. So, right, I've done that. What's no that? one, no one target William. <laughs> please. Okay. William thinks he's perfectly safe. No one target William. Oh, please don't go that far. Okay. <laughs> You may think that no one wants your data or that hackers can't grab your passwords or credit card details, but you'd be wrong. Stealing data from unsuspecting people on public Wi-Fi is one of the simplest and cheapest ways for hackers to make money. When you leave your internet connection unencrypted, you might as well be writing your passwords and credit card details on a huge billboard for the rest of the world to see. And that's why I use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN secures and anonymizes your internet browsing by encrypting your data and hiding your public IP address. ExpressVPN has easy-to-use apps that run seamlessly in the background of your computer, phone, and tablet. And turning on ExpressVPN protection only takes one click. Using ExpressVPN, I can safely surf on public Wi-Fi without being snooped on or having my personal data stolen. And for less than $7 a month, you can get the same ExpressVPN protection that I have. ExpressVPN is rated the number one VPN service by TechRadar and comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Protect your online activity today and find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash appleinsider. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash appleinsider for three months free with a one-year package. Visit expressvpn.com slash appleinsider to learn more. It really does make sense to to use a VPN. You know, if you aren't, then all of your traffic is both, as we say, a little bit visible and also definitely visible to your ISP. If you use a VPN, then it's routed to where that VPN lives. Mm. 
I'm actually, uh, no reason you should know this, but I'm speaking to you from another location today. Because I've just been in a school very far away from my own office, I've brought my Mac Mini with me and I'm in a hotel room and I'm actually, I'm paying for it. It's not the free you know, lobby Wi-Fi, but I'm actually using the hotel's Wi-Fi for it. And I'm actually being very careful not to do certain things like, you know, online banking and things like this. Uh, but I should have uh, switched on my VPN. I forgot about that as well. So VPN... Switching off mail. I'm not having a good day, really, for sensible Mac usage, <laughs> am I? You are, you're, you're okay, William. I want you to breathe in and breathe out. It's He's okay. on my Apple Watch now. Okay. Yes. <laughs> really, I, you know, uh, people talk about these kinds of things and these recommendations and talk about what you absolutely must do and all of these things. We're humans. And, and using computers is certainly not perfect and certain things you know things like ios try and make it easier but um the the truth is that you know if if you're trying to it, it's about what you're trying to protect and what steps you must go to to do it and the the danger is that if you're trying to do some something like complete operational security where you are are fully protected fully masked fully fully encapsulated one mistake breaks that all open mm. For most people, they're not trying to go that far, but trying to take simple steps that protect them more. And, you know, something like like uh, like a VPN is a solid step towards protecting yourself more. It's a pretty good step. But, you know, you, you, you want to try and make a practice out of it as opposed to turning it on for specific uses, which looks really suspicious, right? <laughs> yes, it does. Actually, you know, I've just realized um, I, I don't have VPN on my iOS devices at the moment because I'm still, I, mean, I haven't tried ExpressVPN yet, but I kind of flitted around between a few different ones. <laughs> I have tended to think of VPN for iOS because I'm more often out with it. This is the first time I've taken this Mac Mini away from my own office. Um, there are valid okay. reasons for using it in your home, right? You know, all your data yes. is routing through your ISP. How much do you trust your ISP? Oh, considerably. Yes. Yes. Oh, yes, definitely. Orders Express VPN right now. Okay. Yes. <laughs> face ID developments. So, right. what more can happen? I've got the same face I had last week. What can they possibly develop? Well, the uh, problem is this? not that you have the same face you had last week, which is good to know, uh, as opposed to you know the experience of that classic, classic movie, uh, Face Off. <laughs> face Off. The documentary face off. face off. Yes. No, the yeah. it, it, I when paired with its its sibling movie, its sister movie, Broken Arrow. That's that's I really sort of Broken the Arrow, so, oh, okay. legendary cinema. <laughs> okay, I am Citizen pulling your Kane, leg. Broken Arrow. <laughs> okay, right. but but the problem is so face off. Not only that you have the same face that you had last week, but your twin brother has a similar face that you had last week. What has um. And when uh, when you're, my twin brother been doing when so, when your evil twin is looking at your phone and opening your phone as a false positive, right? Oh no no, I, we're fine there. I'm the evil one of the two. My twin brother is nice, so I don't have any of this problem at all. We're, we're fine. We can skip this. Yeah. Uh, okay, but yeah. identical twins unlocking Face ID is something that Apple wants to improve upon, and there there appears to be a solution using vein matching. That is, you have veins located in your face. And even though you and your twin might share similar visages, you don't share exactly the same veins. Wow, I didn't know that. Okay. Uh, how is that registered, seen, um, 
because uh, it's not exactly ultraviolet, but it's invisible rays from Face ID right now. Are these just different flavored invisible rays that can pick this stuff out? Uh, it's it's using the infrared sensor in the camera to take the image of the veins because infrared is about heat and obviously your veins oh, right. carry your blood and your blood has heat. That makes sense. Okay. So actually, does that mean this is a software fix? The hardware is already able to do what we do. Cool. Uh, potentially. Now, this is this is coming from an Apple patent, and obviously there's no guarantee that it actually appears in a future product, but it seems like a plausible idea. Uh, you know, the current iteration of Face ID relies on an infrared dot projection onto the user's face, and if, if it's just about shooting the infrared dot array and then scanning the dot array, that's great, but if they can add to that the sensing of the veins, then it seems like, yeah, this is a software fix. That's really clever. I mean, I was unconcerned about Face ID seems so well. I have one problem with Face ID, which is, uh, again, in a a young writer's workshop, I'd left my phone on the side. There was a tap on my shoulder, and this eight-year-old pushed my phone in my face. As I turned around, there it was. I'd unlocked it. And I thought, eight-year-old has just defeated Face ID. I shook his hand, and then we got on to writing. But that was my concern more than vein detection. I like it. Well, so there is a... uh a setting, I believe, where you have to be paying attention to it. Yes. Um, it's just when somebody taps on your head and you turn around to see them, and that's what you see instead. You're your paying attention, attention is on yeah, it. Yeah. So, yeah, that kid was smart. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and this comes back to the law enforcement question, right? Where Where one of the things that happens is that law enforcement wants to be able to access your phone. And so... You know, in the past, they, they would use your thumb or your finger and unlock Touch ID and, and now could just hold it up to you, which is why Apple instituted the uh, the part where you uh, press the power button five times or squeeze power and volume up, and it uh, locks it so that your passcode is required. Right. Now, you see, I remember that they'd done that, but I couldn't remember the number of times you have to press whatever you have to press. So, well, okay. so, so if I have my phone unlocked and I press the power key five times, let's see what happens. Why does this sound like a, the Candyman or something will appear? Yeah, it went into emergency ow, SOS ow, mode. Ow. No, I was going to call emergency. So let's not do that. Pressing power five times calls emergency. We're not doing that. But it now says enter passcode. Your passcode is required to enable Face ID. So right. that part worked. Let's see the other step here. Okay, so just squeezing power and volume turned it into the slide to power off medical ID and emergency SOS. And if I cancel that, now my passcode is also required to enable Face ID. So I would say that those are the two settings, right? One is to mm-hmm. to press power five times is going to send it into calling emergency services. And just squeezing power and volume on an iPhone XR is the one that you use to uh, to disable Face ID. So actually, either of them works if you're currently in police custody because it just phones the police that are right next to you. If that, Yes, that's really... Okay. That's Apple really saving on technology. Let's yeah. move... Yeah. Now, there's there's an analyst suggesting that Apple services revenue will double by 2021. Can you imagine $6 per share to Apple's earnings per share by its 2021 fiscal year? That's yes. that's what we're looking at. So, what are the services that Apple has today? All of the iCloud stuff, which is far bigger than one imagines. There's so much realized. On okay. iCloud. Um, so so Apple iCloud, Music. Apple Music, yeah. yeah. iTunes um, and all that entails. Apple the, News, I suppose. Apple News. 
becoming lawyer. Yeah. Um, Apple Pay, Apple which Pay, is brilliant, good. Yeah. The, uh, the Apple Store, uh, the App Store. Heard of that one? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Mac App Store. Let's just leap in there on on that one. Um, okay. Uh, what about possible video services? Remember, there's no, this event, they, right? They send no, out an event, do. and the event said it's showtime. Yeah, but that's because they're going to release an iMac at last. That's what it is, really. They wouldn't do video, no. Well, so, the last yes, time, coming and- in 2006, I think, when they announced the video iPod, they used the, the slogan, it's showtime. Yes, they did. That's very well remembered. I'd forgotten that until you said it. Yes. Oh, but hang on. I remember then they did it as showtime as one word, and now it's showtime Two words. Are we over-analyzing? <laughs> this is well, like teenagers I mean, getting one, texts from boyfriends and girlfriends. <laughs> one of the, the possibilities is that you know, we, we talked about in the past how they have, they, you know, they, they, they can build up their own original content, but if they're going to make a maintained video service, they had to have other content somewhere else, right? Yeah. Because otherwise you run out of the original content pretty quick. And so one possibility is they could license Showtime the station. Oh, I see. Okay. I think Showtime the station is one word, though, isn't it? So and, there you go. And, and also, trick. generally, uh, I, I don't know if it's necessarily the appropriate content that Tim Cook would approve of. But, you know, that, that was one of the possibilities that had been fronted was that Apple would license HBO, Showtime, whatever, and sell it as a part of their bundle and have oh, them right. all available through the TV app. I'd go for HBO. I watch quite a lot of shows that originate. On that, I don't. I've, I must have seen Showtime materials, but I can't think of a single show from yeah, there. So it was it was HBO, Stars, and something else that I can't remember them talking about it as part of that. Uh, it's but, amazing how many there are now, isn't it? Because uh, Mad About You, which I loved uh, in the Paul 90s, Reiser, Paul Helen Reiser Hunt. and Helen Hunt, um, Paul Jacobson as well, one of the other writers. Really great show. It's coming back for a reboot with a clever idea, but it's coming back for a limited original run on some service I've never heard of. Um, <laughs> and you just think there are so many services you've never heard of. Yeah, good luck coming to Coming back I for a limited it. run on Crackle. You're like, Crackle, really? <laughs> Better than, was it Yahoo Screen that oh, started dear and God. brought Community? Yeah, Community, yeah. Yes, I loved Community, but not so much that last season. But there we go. Yes. They brought it back for a sixth season. Still waiting for the movie. Yeah. There we go. Six seasons in a movie. All right. No Pierce in that sixth season. Okay. So swings and roundabouts. But yes. Yeah. No uh, No Donald Glover either, I think. No. That was a shame. But yeah, we did have another paintball episode. I thought that was the best of the run they did. This has become a television show. No Inspector <laughs> Space Time, though. Oh, I've missed that. Yes. Good yeah. Grief. Yeah. <laughs> Or the American version of Inspector Space Time. Actually, here's a thought. We are immediately <laughs> off talking about uh, dramas and comedies, actual programs, beyond which network they happen to come on. This is what I think will happen with Apple. Regardless of how well they do it, it all comes down to the programming. And for me, Carpool Karaoke has no interest at all. So uh, I- I'm hoping they'll do massively wonderful things. They're planning, I mean, Foundation is going to be a must-watch, I think, if only to see how do they possibly make that book filmable. Yeah, I, I think be the programs. overall we have to get away from condemning them as failures for the early mistakes, right? Car- Carpool Karaoke did kind of okay on its own for some of yeah. the things, but it's a it's a one-trick pony, right? It runs out pretty quick. The Planet of the Apps thing was horrible, 
and and there are all kinds of reasons that that failed and the but but we can't limit them to only those things oh apple's never going to make it work because of those things stuck well you know what maybe not maybe they can recover they've hired enough people they've gone ahead and put enough money into production maybe something good can come of it this is actually in a weird way this is uh, coming more into my world because i'm I'm a, a drama writer and i'm as well as technology i write books about media and things like this uh this is normal for me there will be absolute rubbish an Apple service, guaranteed, uh, inescapably so. It's just there is everywhere. Some stuff will be wonderful, some will be terrible, and you just nev- nobody knows until it airs and we find out. So, yeah, that's yeah. I'm not uh, holding anything against them. I'm just saying I didn't make it through one episode of Carpool Karaoke because it didn't happen to work for me. So, you know. well, you, you have to like the artist that's being there for that to work, and. It's it's not anything with with staying power, right? You're coming along for a short trip to play some songs and have a fun time, and that you can take it or leave it. And casual watching, I guess that works, but it doesn't suck you in. Oh, well, interesting. With broadcast television, casual watching is fine because you kind of leave it on in the corner, and something can survive without necessarily commanding an audience by just not losing an audience. Whereas subscription services, where you are very conscious of what you're paying and you are electing to watch something when you want then something has to be stronger than background noise. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. Now, all of these different services, right? They they reap Apple billions of dollars a year. You know, go- yes. having having Google be the default option in Safari for search is a 12 billion dollar proposition. For Tells Apple. me that Google makes more than 12 billion out of my searching, but yes, yes, yes they do. Yeah. Try DuckDuckGo. You might like it. I just love the name, but I still keep not getting around to using it. So. Oh, yeah. No, I, I definitely use that. Now, the, the long-term investment thesis that these analysts – remember there were analysts we were talking about? Yeah. So their long-term right. investment thesis hinges on the idea that the services segment grows and Apple massively monetizes the installed base of products and charges for value-added options, possibly including Siri down the road. Okay, this guy's an idiot. Charging for Siri is a non-starter. <laughs> I'm sorry, I do like that idea. That one I said about adding uh, bacon to my shopping list in OmniFocus. That will be 20p or something like that. It's just, yeah, it's not going to... You know, I, I saw a uh, idea for a social network, a, a pitch for a social network, and the proposition was a putting prices on the messages, charging charging 1p or 1 cent per character. So like text messages... Well, I suppose they still do have a feed. Well, like, like Twitter, for example, 240 characters, right? $2.40, please. Okay, right. Guessing that maybe, maybe didn't go the distance. You, you I think? I sign up for now. Didn't catch. I have a feeling. You but, start okay. messaging someone, why is there a price next to my thing? Oh, that's what you have to pay to send it. What? <laughs> no. Hmm. Charging for Siri, no. Charging for other services, yes. Mixed, right? Apple's never gotten the, the dollar amount proper on the iCloud storage proposition. And in fact, they lowered it at one point because it was it was so wildly out of where it should have been. But at the same time, services are where the revenue is going to come from. Cook's broadcast that far and wide before that services are where things are going. Yes. Funny enough, one of the things that makes me think that there may well be a hardware 
at the March 25, 25th event, even though there have been a lot of rumours saying that it will be services only, is that if you have a video service, the rumoured iPod Touch revival would be a really good device to watch that service on. So I could see that happening. The problem with the Touch is that it never kept pace with the phone. Sure. They could do me an iPad and an iMac as well. I'd be okay with all of that. Yes. yes. But I can see the tie between hardware and services uh, being particularly good with Apple because they control both ends of it. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I, I suppose so. But I just want to point out one thing. As of this show's broadcast date, when you are listening to this, it will have been 1,913 days since the release of a Mac Pro. Yes. How many days will it be until the release of the next one? That's probably more useful. Go on, then. I'm just... I'm. J- You're on Wolfram Alpha. You're working out how many days to December the 31st, which is probably when... When Apple it shows will ship up. a few yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Tragic. Well, William, I think we run out of time. We've talked our heads off here. Cool. Okay. Well, I really was having a very busy day before this. It's very nice to almost get around and have a, a bit of an oasis of a chat, sort out the world, fix Spotify. Everything's good. Let's press on. Okay. Yeah. One, one moment while I check one thing to make sure I haven't ignored something critical here. Oh, I have. I've ignored something critical. Let me do this. Hmm. So we were talking earlier about protecting yourself and cybercrime and things like that. And all of that was really important when we were talking about it. One of the things that I've done with ExpressVPN is I actually put its its details into my router. I use a Synology router, and so I have it protect my whole network and all of the devices on it when I'm at home. But what makes a data breach the worst breach of all time? Uh, the sheer scale of it? Um, another type of data? Yeah, so I'm the type sure. of data, that's a good one. The the scale of it, that's a good one. What happens when you combine those two things? I panic. As you should, as you should. So losing our social security numbers, the keys to our identities in America, and losing not one, not two, not ten, which would be bad, 145 million of them. Okay. Breach is a podcast that takes you inside the world's biggest hacks, how they're done, who does them, and what's really at stake when your private data is compromised. And this season, they're investigating the worst breach ever, Equifax. Listen to season two of Breach, the Equifax story. This time, it's personal. Subscribe to Breach, that's B-R-E-A-C-H, in your podcast app right now. Well, William, that's all the time we have. You're in a hotel room. I need to get going. I am so glad that you were here. Thank you for making time for this. Why does it sound wrong when you say I'm in a hotel room? I just, it's, I, yes, I am. But for, yeah. anyway, thanks. <laughs> nice talking to you too. Okay. I don't know what you did, but you did it to yourself. All right. <laughs> anyway, where can people find you on the internet? Um, I was nearly gave away the name of the hotel chain and their website that I'm currently <laughs> logged through. Um, I'm on Twitter as W Gallagher um, and always on email at William at AppleInsider.com. I'm V Marks on Twitter. I'm Victor at AppleInsider.com. And you can also find my writing over at wristwatchreview.com. We will be back next week. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been, you know, when I, we do this show, I kind of feel like, William and I are sitting across a coffee table talking to each other, and you're all there with us, you know, sort of sort of hanging out and enjoying this too. And I wish that we could do that one day. I really like the emails that we get from you, the feedback we get from you. 
It's so positive. Thank you so much. And we want you back next week. We'll see you then.